0: Hello, my name is Anthony Wenzel. Today we will be reading from Psalms 1. If you are using the Pewback Bibles, you can turn to page 494. I'll give you a moment to get there. Once you are there, let's say it's all about Jesus. Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, That yields its fruit in its season. And its leaves do not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so. But are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. I think this is the Lord. Thank you.
1: morning, Westside. We are glad that you're here. If it's your first Sunday here, my name's Jason. I'm the pastor here at Westside. Listen, I'm glad that you're here. It's the first of the year of 2023. That's not a science fiction novel. That's actually reality. And so I'm glad that you're here as we are in the second week of the new year. And we started a new series last week um, entitled Dwell. And I would just encourage you, if you weren't here or if you haven't listened to that, I don't often do this, but please go back and listen to that message. You can go to our website, podcast, YouTube, all of that stuff. It was a very fundamental message for us that is sort of paving the way uh, for the rest of the year. And what we did in that sermon is obviously we sort of chose um, our word of the year. And the giant poster board behind me probably gives it away. But our word of the year is dwell. Dwell. And just a little bit of review, where that comes from is Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. And Colossians 3, 16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Hey, um, can we actually, can we all read this together? You're in the sermon now. Ready? All right, here we go. One, two, three. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Good job, guys. This is our theme verse, and from that verse, we are camping on the word dwell. And we talked about the significance of what that word is, but where we're tying this all together, the word "dwell" and God's word. Our goal this year as a congregation is not just to read the Bible, not just skim the Bible. We even said this: that I would rather you not even just sort of blow through your Bible reading plan. Um, if you do that and read through the Bible this year, that's awesome. That's great. But I would almost rather if you say, you know what, I don't really get anything out of that. I would rather you this year dwell on certain portions of scripture to get the word of Christ in us richly. And the reason why this is so important is because our big idea was this, that disciples are developed by dwelling on God's word. There is a direct correlation of us developing as disciples. We said all the way back in August when we started the upper room and these markers behind me that our emphasis as a church is going to be not acquiring um, attenders or numbers or this, that, and the other. It is not a quantity of people, but rather a quality of disciples. That's what we want to focus on, disciples who may... Make disciples who make disciples. And the way that we do that is by dwelling on God's word. The word dwell means to rest in, to find your home in, to linger in to soak in. That's what we want to do with God's word. And we said that the way we're going to do that is we laid out these three M's of dwelling. We said that it starts with meditation and then memorization and then to mobilize. So it's to meditate on the word of God. And then it is to memorize the Word of God. If you notice those scriptures that were read to you, there's a distinction about I hid your Word in my heart. How do we do that? Well, it's through meditation and then through memorizing it and then to mobilize. God forbid we become people who do what we learn, right? That's the whole emphasis of mobilize. Not just to know something, but also to do something as well. And today I'm focusing the whole sermon is on to meditate. Obviously, if you pick that up in Psalm 1. But maybe as an illustration, this will be helpful. Um, this is a picture of our our middle child Miss Andy Grace as a baby and um, we love looking through pictures now Courtney and I are in the season of parenting where when we look at pictures of videos of our kids we end up crying like a lot because it's oh my gosh they grew it happened so fast um this is a picture of of her getting fed some yummy green stuff that we as adults would never eat right right never eat um But this is now a picture of Andy Grace. Um, She loves cooking. She loves baking. She loves doing all of that stuff in the kitchen. And if you notice, and one of the crazy joys of kind of being a parent is it starts out with with you feeding them and sort of doing everything for them. And then hopefully by God's grace, um, they learn some of that and are able to contribute a little bit, not to the mortgage that happens later on, maybe or something like that. That But to contribute is a good thing, but to watch her as a baby, be fed, and then now growing up cooking and helping in the kitchen, I think is a great illustration of what the Apostle Paul's desire was for all believers, and particularly to the church in Corinth. The Apostle Paul says these words, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people. The church in Corinth was like Christians gone wild. It was crazy stuff that was going on. They were getting drunk at communion. One guy was sleeping with his mother. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on. And the Apostle Paul says, I wish that when I got to you, that I could address you as spiritual people. That we could talk about certain things, but you were as people of the flesh. Here it is. As infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food. for You weren't ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? The Apostle Paul is saying this, When I got there, I was hoping that some of you would be in the kitchen with me. I thought that that time that I was away, that you had matured and grown up. Because when I was with you, I had to feed you as a baby. But now you're still in that position. And and can I just say something um, on the onset? When we're talking about dwelling... And when we're talking about reading and studying God's word, listen, I understand things are difficult. Um, the Bible is, is a hard book to learn. And it actually takes effort um, to learn that and to study that and to do that. But I think we actually show areas in our life where we're willing to learn and to memorize and to put forth effort and to do stuff like that. But for some reason, when it comes to God's word, we sort of read it a little. We're just like, oh, it's just hard. It's, you know, I, I know I should. I, listen, this series is not a guilt trip. But here's what it is for some of us. It is a reality check for some of us. And can I tell you this? that if your desire is to follow Jesus and to grow and mature as a disciple, that literally your desire and a pure motive in your heart is to mature and to follow Jesus and to grow in your relationship with God. And the only time, the only time a Bible is in your hand or you read the Bible or hear the Bible is the hour that you were here on Sunday mornings, you will remain, as Paul said, an infant. That there is a direct correlation of our growth in our relationship with Jesus and our relationship to God's Word. So listen, here's the big idea and what I'm trying to say today is this. Christians move from infancy to maturity by meditating on God's Word. By meditating on God's Word. Now, you should have questions. What is meditation? Are we about to sit in a circle and hold hands and go hum and do it? But like, there's, listen, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to all of the, well, we're not going to hold hands in a circle and do all that, but we're going to get, what does that mean? How do I do this? We're going to get to all of that stuff. But I cannot understate the importance of, that your prayer life, that listen, this key of meditating on God's Word is such a cornerstone that your relationship with Jesus, your worship, your corporate time of worship, your prayer life, if there was one spiritual practice and discipline that I believe affects all others, it is the meditation of Scripture. Um, I love what... Thomas Watson, who is an old Puritan, said when he said these words, Satan is content that you should be hearing and a praying Christian just so long that you are not a meditating Christian. That's a big deal. I mean, when a guy of that caliber says, the enemy is fine if you read your Bible, if you pray, if you do all of those things, but the moment you cross over into dwelling and meditating on God's word, that becomes a problem to the enemy. Why? Because then we cross over the line of just reading the Bible and having the Bible read us. We cross over the line of getting into God's Word and God's Word getting into us. And so today we are in Psalm chapter 1, which most scholars agree is placed as the first Psalm as a very intentional reason. Because if you read Psalm 1, what Psalm 1 is telling you is this. This is how you use not only the book of Psalms, but God's word in general. And hear the blessings of it in your life. Like, like God knows the type of people that we are. Because we're always like, well, I mean, what's in it for me? Right? What's in it? And God literally in Psalm 1 is like, listen, if you meditate on God's word day and night, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be stable. There's going to be fruit in your life. All of this. Scholars agree that Psalm 1 is a psalm to memorize because it tells you how to literally use the law of God. But when you get to the second verse, he uses that big word, meditate. Um, It's in every word-for-word translation. It's a massively important word. For the two of you who care, this is what it looks like in the original language, right? It's used about 20 times in the scriptures. Um, And every time that the word meditate is used, it's used in conjunction with God's word. So you could do this yourself. You could just type in on Bible Gateway the word meditate. You could read all of those verses and you could find every time that this word meditate is used, um, right next to it is always God's word. Um, In the original language, it means and, and sounds like ha ga. Right, So in Hebrew, you have to talk like you have a big loogie in the back of your throat, right? It's, it's ha-ga, and the word um, literally means, well, we'll get to that in a second. But the way that it's used, um, like in the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, um, verses 8 and 9 say this. God is saying to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Do you see the correlation? That's almost a rewording of Psalm chapter one. It's, it's a constant correlation of meditate on the word of God. Do what it says. And if you do that, all of these things will be connected to your life. Um, The word is a very difficult word to translate because when you go from Hebrew dialect into the English, certain words do mean things, they don't mean things, this, that, and the other. To the literal translation of the word, it means to mutter or to speak or to mumble or to growl, growl. Um, Eugene Peterson uh, gave a great illustration that the word meditate, and and it means to mumble and to talk to yourself. That's why Orthodox Jews, um, when they read God's word, always read it out loud and almost chant it or mumble it or do those types of things. Because they're doing what the Bible says to meditate. But Eugene Peterson said, picture a dog with a bone. And, and, and you know how that dog gets that treat and gets that bone and just spends time on it, is working on that thing. And then sometimes they growl literally while they're eating it because they enjoy it, you know, so much. That's literally what the word meditate means. It means to, to mull over. Or um, I really wanted to nail this down in your mind, okay? And I'm a simple man, Jenny but I know what love is okay right I'm a simple man so I need an illustration I need to know this looks like this and um, when you meditate on scripture when you think about what is it like what does it mean to meditate on the bible I want you to forever picture this image okay I want you, um, I'm a simple man, okay, and I know my context, all right? So um, a cow, when it's chewing on its cud, which is a word that you just don't use often during the day, right? Um, When a cow is chewing on that grass over and over, hey, hey, um, I even Googled it, and I've got some stats for you, okay? So a cow eats some grass and chews on it, swallows it, lays down, and then if you're a farmer, you know this, right? What happens? Regurgitates that, chews on it some more and some more, and actually the average cow spends eight hours Hours a day chewing on that bite of grass and it ends up becoming um, 30,000 chews a day just over and over and over again. Maybe with a little bit of humor, this can just lodge in your mind. Think about now what it would be like if, if we treated a Bible verse or God's word that way. That, that we feast on it a little bit, maybe in the morning or in the evening, whatever your schedule is, we're gonna to get to that. But, but constantly throughout the day, there is a thinking... There's a mulling over, there's a chewing, there's what does this mean? Why is this word here? That's what it means to meditate. So listen, here's a biblical definition. I'm all about clarity because the word meditation's been hijacked by all sorts of people and all sorts of stuff. What does it mean? Listen, the word meditate is not a secular word. It's not a secular word that the Bible hijacks. It is a biblical word. It's a biblical concept. What is biblical meditation? Biblical meditation is the process. It's a process of filling our mind. This is huge, okay? Because the meditation that you and I know, maybe at your hot yoga class or something like that, whatever, um, the, the secular version of meditation is to empty your mind, and to free your mind. And, and you're nothing. And, and it's you're one with... and pfft, Okay, all that stuff. I ain't got time for any of that. All right, sugar plum fairies or whatever that mean It means nothing is what it means, okay? Biblical meditation is not about emptying our mind. It's about filling it with God's word. And, and this is just free. This isn't even in my notes. Oftentimes, um, those of us who, who struggle with anxiety... Oftentimes, it's a diagnosis of overthinking. Did you know the Bible actually says the opposite? The Bible says that anxiety is not caused from overthinking. You're like, "Um, Pastor, you're treading where angels fear to rush into, okay? Like, are you kidding me? Anxiety is absolutely overthinking. No, no, no. Anxiety is not overthinking. Anxiety is thinking about the wrong thing. The Bible actually encourages you to think and to think and to think, but it's just about God's Word. We don't empty it. We fill our mind with God's Word, but here's where it changes. This is the drop. This is what changes from Bible reading to Bible meditating, is we fill our mind with God's Word, and then we focus on it with our heart, with our heart. And now for some of you, I've lost you. You're like, well, that's an ethereal concept. Focus on it with your, like, what does that even mean? Okay, focus on it with your heart. Well, I would just say this. Number one, everyone meditates. Everybody meditates for sure. Um, have you ever started your day and, and, and you're rushing out of the house and you're maybe getting dinner ready for that night and you kind of cook something and then maybe threw it in the one of the greatest inventions ever is the crock pot right the crock pot and you throw it in and then you're driving to work and it pops in your mind did I turn off the stove did I oh, did I did I start the laundry. Did I? And then you get at work, and you're trying to do it, and it's just there. You're like, I didn't start the dryer. I did not, and we've got the basketball after this, and if his socks are not right, and, it's, and then finally you're like, hey, listen, I've got to run in there. You run back home. What are you doing? You're meditating. Do you see the difference now? It's not just here. It's when it drops and starts to become the focus and it starts to consume your thoughts. And then you're like, well, if I did do that, then most of the time when I do that, I do this. And then that's what meditation is. And everyone meditates. Or let's take it a step further. Not just the crock pot, not just laundry. Um, When I walked in, were were they talking about me? And then, and then you leave the room, and you come back in, and you're like, "Well, they glanced over, and then they started talk." I have a booger in my nose. I have right. They're talking about me, right? Or why? Why does she? would she do that? Or or why did he say it, That listen, meditation, when we focus on it with our heart, is that internal voice. And please listen to me. I believe one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest cancers to many Christians is that that internal voice is not God's word and is not speaking the word of God to you. Because the reality is this, no one lies to you more than you do. It's that internal critic. And meditation is replacing that voice with God's word. So here's what I want to do. I just want to look at two quick things and we're going to get real practical. Psalm 1 is broken up, but I just want to focus on meditate. I want to look at what do we meditate on and how do we do it, okay? Just really quickly, because listen to me. Christians move from infancy to maturity. And listen, the kiddie pool is a good thing when you're a kid. But a 47-year-old man in the kiddie pool is weird, okay? You call the cops on that guy, all right? (laughs) And some of us spiritually are 47-year-old men and women in the kiddie pool. And we have gone to church for decades. And we have never stepped over the line into discipleship. And I'm telling you, this is one of the first practices. So the first thing is this. What do we meditate on? What do we meditate on? Well, it's right there in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, again, he, he meditates day and night. So this is the kind of stuff that I think about, right? Why the law of the Lord? That just hits me different. Kind of hits me a little harsh, to be honest with you. I would have loved, but his delight is in the promises of God. Come on, man. I'm all about meditating on the promises of God. That is good stuff. But why the law of the, it's, it's just like so rigid, right? And I know some of you Bible scholars, you know, who have Google, you're like, well, actually, Jason, the law refers to the Torah. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is the first five books of the Moses canonical scripture, right? Okay. All right. Yes, that's true. But I don't think that's the only reason why it, it says that a disciple meditates on the law of the Lord. Why Why to choose those words? Um, well, one early church, Father Augustine, um, put it this way. If you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel that you believe, but it is yourself. Hello, right? Law. Do you get it now? I believe that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writer was inspired to choose the word law because there's some things we agree with and there's some things that hit us wrong sometimes, quite frankly. I love what Mark Twain said. Mark Twain said, it is not the passages of the Bible that I don't understand that trouble me. It is the parts of the Bible that I do understand that trouble me the most, right? Um, Or I love what Warren Wiersbe says, the way that we treat the Bible Is the way that we treat Jesus. Whoa. I mean, I had to sit with that this week. The reason why I believe it says the law of the Lord, because it's all encompassing. What the writer is saying is listen, you are submitting yourself to what God has said. You are not God's editor, you are God's messenger. And what we meditate on is all that God has said. So it's not just the promises of God, but it is the commands of God, the rules of God, the very words of God. Listen, here's what I'm trying to say. We cannot say that we love Jesus and do not love Jesus' words. And listen, in this day and age, I am greatly provoked and just watch your clock because so many Christian celebrities over, and there's a problem with that term even, Christian celebrity over and over and over. When you get a big enough platform and an interviewer looks at you and says, are you telling me you believe all of this? Give them time because very quickly it becomes Um, I mean, I'm all about love. That's not the question. The question is all of it. Did God really write a book? Did he really reveal himself through the word of God and ultimately through the son of God? Because you know what got Jesus murdered? It was not feeding 5,000 people with the kids lunchable. It wasn't making lame people walk. It wasn't raising the dead. Imagine that. We've got to murder this guy. He's going around resurrecting dead people, right? What was it? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Jesus said, I'm God in the flesh, and you must repent and be saved. And they were like, hold the phone. We love your works, But we have problems with your word. And by the way, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. What was the very first thing that the enemy tempted them with? Did God really say? Guys, I've been in the game long enough. And when I find someone, an author or a Bible scholar that I love and I read their books, and then all of a sudden they release a new one and it's a tell-all. And in that book they go, you know, I really had to make a decision. Do I believe in love or do I believe in these ancient writings that I don't think we fully grasp? And I just closed the book every time, put it on the shelf right next to all the other ones. Because it's about the words that God has said. God has said some things. So what do we meditate on? We meditate on the all-encompassing word of God. Okay, secondly, here's where we get practical. How? How do we meditate on it? Um, So I want to be as practical as I can here. Obviously in the text it says day and night. The early church from the very beginning, and we can even see in scripture, oftentimes in the morning and in the evening. Now I'm not laying this down for you saying there's got to be this, there's got to be that, but I'm going to walk through some principles that are going to be some suggestions and some very strong suggestions to you. But listen, listen, you have to find how this works for you, okay? It's not a one-size-fits-all, but I do believe there are basic principles as to how we can meditate on God's Word. And listen, this is now, this is now, now we're going from teaching to training, right? I don't want to feed you like the picture of Andy Grace. I want you to learn how to be in the kitchen and cook yourself, so the first thing is this, plan. you got to have a plan, right? When, where, what? How are you going to do this? Because listen, I know, I know what I can do. I can inspire you. And today you're going to leave, you're going to pick up like four Bible reading plans. And you're like, I'm going to do all of them. I'm just going to do all four of them this year, right? But then there's no, like, like where, where is a good place for you? What time works best for you? Some of you are morning people. Some of you are evening people. Some of you are like, if I don't do it on my lunch hour, it's not going to get done. Listen, you've got to find the time that works best for you, a place that works best for you. And then listen, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. That's why the Bible reading plans, there's multiple options out there. In the newsletter that we sent out, there's multiple options. All right, so you've got to have a plan. The second thing is this, um, you got to pray. And I have prayed Psalm 119.18 every time before I open the Bible for probably ever since I've been saved. Psalm 119.18 says, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous truths from your law. I say it every time. You know why? Because it's the Spirit of God that wrote this. The natural man, Paul says, does not understand the things of God. But deep cries out to deep. So the spirit of God that lives in you is the same spirit of God that wrote this. And those two things work together. So we pause and we ask for God's dependency. Okay. And so then we move on to the next thing, which is pursue. Okay. Which is read, reread, and write it down. So just just a glimpse into my world, I use the book at a time Bible reading plan right out there in the lobby. Okay, I use the book at a time because it keeps you in one book of the Bible. So I've got the, the A, D, 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 whatever, how many D's are or whatever. I can't bounce around and do multiple passages and do all of this stuff. I got, I just don't think y'all understand, man. Your boy is hooked on phonics up here, all right? Like I, it takes me a long time to learn and to read, and to pursue, and to dig, and to work, I can't even read with a study Bible. Do you know why? Because I start reading the study notes, and I'm like, ooh, what's this footnote? And then I'm on YouTube. It just like, I don't know, it just happens that fast, right? So I have to have a plain Bible with the text. I've got the book at a time Bible reading plan, and I read that passage for the day, and I read it, I, I try to read it three times at a minimum, which is, it's not a lot, really. I, I, unless you're Sherlock Holmes, I don't think anyone who reads it once really understands and grasps what you're reading, okay? So I read it, I reread it, and then this is where it's got to work for you. Whatever is jumping out at me in that passage, and listen, don't try to get all spiritual, don't try to be like, well, I know what that word means in the original language and the reason why the tense of the verb is, okay, we're not talking about that. We're talking about reading, rereading, and then listen, trusting the spirit of God to go, why is dwell there? Why why is dwell there? So what I do is I have this notebook. If you've been around me, this notebook is my life. If I lose this, I'm done, okay, right? And so I've got multiple moleskins, but I have one that as I'm reading, I'm just jotting it down. I'm just writing bullet point. I'm a bullet point guy. So I'm like, verse two, boom, boom. Then after I've read it multiple times, I try to pick a verse, A verse, okay? You might be way more spiritual than me, and you need the whole chapter or whatever. Me, I need a golden nugget for the day. I need a, not even a loaf of bread, right? Your boy's so poor, I need just a crumb. I need a bread crumb for the day, okay? And I write that whole verse down. So then I move from pursue to the next thing, which is this. I ponder over that verse. And here's what I mean by ponder, not yonder, but ponder, right? I'm just asking questions. I'm doodling. I'm, I'm drawing a box around it. And actually, if you've ever seen my Bible, I'm a tactile learner. So like I have to highlight it, circle it. Some of them are highlighted, circled, underlined, um, bolded, all of this stuff. I'm just, why this? Why that? Well, he said this. Um, repeat, Guys, I'm like, I'm telling you how I write sermons. Notice when I preach, I say, look at how many times the word follow was used. The big idea of today's sermon is follow. What wah, wah, right? That's all it is. Because we're trusting that God has said that. God has wrote that. So I'm asking questions. I'm pondering what that is. And then from pondering, I'm moving to personalize. Right? Now... I'm asking God to speak to me personally. I caution this, but maybe um, if Jesus, it says, and Jesus said to Peter, sometimes I'll write and say, and Jesus said to Jason. Now, you need to do that where it's appropriate, okay? Not in the beginning, Jason. All right, that's not a good thing to do, all right? But what you're trying to do is you're trying to make it personal. You're trying to drop that in now. God is now saying this to me. And it goes from personal to praise. Please listen to me. Um, This whole... um, Apparent contradiction between spirit and word and the word of God and worship. And I just want to get after it. I just want to work. I just want to feel. I just want to do. I just want to. I think one of the greatest idolatries that's happening in the church today is that through our worship, we've let our feelings govern our worship. And now we are worshiping an image of Jesus that we have created in our own image and likeness. A Jesus that would never tell us no. A Jesus that would never bring conviction, a Jesus that would never command things in our life, the Word of God propels our worship to God. That's the whole point. And so now we're looking and going, God, thank you for this. Like in the Dwell app, I've been loving this thing, man. Um, I have the uh, British guy read to me on the Dwell app. And listen, if you've not picked one of these up, you've got to do it. It reads the Bible to you. It repeats it, all of this. But I've been doing kind of through Genesis where it starts. And it's so epic. You can have like music in the background. And God's like, I am ready to charge hell with a water pistol when I listen to that stuff. But one of the things was, through the Dwell app this week, I was like, God, you, you created all of this. And it just, this week, I've just noticed, like, um, the lack of sun. I've noticed that quite a bit, right? Like, God, where's the sun you created and all of that stuff? It's just, it, it brings you to a place of worship and confession, all of these things. And then the last thing is this. Praise, you're going to pray, you're going to do all of those things. And then practice. Just today, that one verse. Remember, we read the chapter. I was writing stuff down. And then the verse, this one. And, and how am I going to apply that to my life right now? So, so listen, here's what I want to do. God forbid this is an experiment. Let's see how it goes. I actually want us, God forbid, that we actually do what we have just learned. That would be crazy, right? So here's what I want to do. Slide that over to me, Caleb, if you can. I want to, like in 30 seconds... Walk through, what would this look like? So you've, you've got your quiet time, you're doing whatever you're doing, and you're in Matthew 4 that day, and you're reading. And you're like, huh, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I love to fish. That must be my verse for the day, right? And so you've you've jotted it down. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you like 15 seconds, okay? Maybe John can play a little bit of music or something like that. Just 15 seconds, and here's what I want you to do. I just want you to read that one verse, like over and over and over and over for those 15 seconds. I just want you to ask yourself some questions. Listen, we're not all, ooh, okay? I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking you to read it, reread it, and just ask yourself some questions questions to dwell on it. Ready? Awesome. Let's go. Just for a few seconds. If I give you more time, you're going to end up on your phone. All right? (laughs) So you're just reading. You're just reading it, right? Um, You read it over and over. And just, if you're brave enough, anybody, was there just one thing? Just, it's okay, there's no wrong answer here? One thing. Yep. And he said to them, I need... Right here, guys. This is incredible. Give it I mean, that's, that's awesome. He said, and he said to them, he said... I need to be listening. This is Jesus speaking. And he said to them, that's incredible. How about somebody else? Just one thing. I will make you. Right? That seems to be like a promise. I will make you. And what you do, once you isolate the verse, then, then the words. All of a sudden now it's like, individual words like follow me the question I had was if Jesus is king and he's a big deal and he's amassing followers why didn't Jesus say obey me he didn't say that huh this is, a different kind of, this is a different kind of thing here. And, and what does follow denote? That, that Jesus is in charge, right? So, um, submission. Like when I come to Jesus, I'm following Jesus. He said, follow me. And then I love the, and I will make you. But then fishers of men. Man, that's, that's super specific. And when you understand the chapter of who he's talking to, he's talking to, to fishermen in that sense. And so you think about it, what's, what's it like being a fisherman? Well, it requires like um, patience, right? And all the wives say money, you know, no, no, I'm just um, right. Fishers of men, that, that, that means a, a purpose now. Oh, wow, so now the purpose in my life doesn't end with me. The goal of following Jesus is not that Jesus gets my life in order and then everything's okay with just me. The goal of my life is to follow Jesus and the people who come alongside. I share the struggles that I had, where they're at, and we realize now that my scars are actually testimonies that I get to share with people. This is one verse, and I can't tell you or underestimate the power of what it means to meditate on God's word. And so today, as the band comes and leads us up in a time of response, um, there's a reason why you had the listening guide today. I know many of you were like, listening guides, they're back. This is incredible. Fill in the blanks. Listen, I want you to take that and I want us to be doers of the word. And it's not rocket science, and it might be difficult in the beginning. It's going to be difficult. It's a process. But please listen to me. Listen, this is the truest thing that I could say to you. Every second you spend meditating on God's word will be the greatest return on investment. Every second. And I know what some of you say. Well, some days I read stuff and I'm just like, how does that even make a difference on anything? Well, notice in the text, it says this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Here's the phrase. That yields its fruit in its season. There will be times where you are meditating on a verse of Scripture. And you're like, I just don't see an immediate application of that to my life right now, Pastor. And I'm telling you this, give it months, weeks, days, years. And there will be a moment when something arises and you go, oh, yeah, it's just like this. And my goal for us is this, is that that internal critic that I believe is just beating Christians down constantly. Listen, I, I experience this as well. Like, it's nobody's a greater critic of me than me, but I'm coming to understand that those lies and those suggestions and that inner voice has got to turn into the Word of God or we will never make it in this. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand to our feet and we have our prayer that we are praying together every week of this series There's copies of the prayer out there and what this prayer is is for God to give us the desire to meditate and to dwell on his word. So Westside, let us lift up our voices and pray this prayer together. Almighty God, we thank you for your word. You are not silent. You speak to us through the holy scriptures. We confess that we have become deaf to your voice. We confess that we have not found a home in your word, and your word has not found its home in us. We ask, God, that you would give us a ferocious appetite for your word. We ask that you would give us a home in your word, and your word would find its home in us. Heavenly Father, give us the sustaining grace needed to persevere in your word mold us, form us, and shape us through the chisels of the scriptures. May this new year you dwell with us and we dwell with you through your word. In Christ's name, amen. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you and we can teach and we can show insights and we can have charts and graphs and study Bibles and all the things. But apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to sow the seed now. Our desire determines our direction. And God, we confess that we have desired things of the world, like money and comfort, all of these things. We desire those more than your word. But we are reminded, Jesus, of what you say in Matthew 4:4, that man cannot live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God, may we learn to meditate and to linger and to dwell on your word like a friend speaks with a friend. The creator of the universe desires to speak to us. And to spend time with us and delights in us. God, plant those seeds now that may forever bear its fruit, like Psalm 1. We pray this all in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're a baptized follower,